Oh man, I knew. You know, last year I last week I didn't give you shake things up and I and I knew that it was I knew that that was the death knell for shaking things up. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie and this is episode 32. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend. Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. How you doing? I, this week, watched the movie Baby Driver and you listened to the band Muse. Ooh, we sure did. And I have complicated feelings about all of that. Uh, oh, but before we get into it, I know, it's exciting. It's a little, 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 teaser. little teaser. Uh Before we get into it, though, let's talk about uh, you and I. How, how are you? How was your week? Uh, it was an interesting week. Uh, I was supposed to be on vacation all week this week. Uh, and then, uh, what happened? Oh, and then my father-in-law's mother uh was on her deathbed and so the thing that we i know it's a bummer um (laughs) kind of yeah kind of um anyways so the thing that i was supposed to go to got canceled uh but i still decided to take this week as a staycation uh and so uh we're gonna bop over to michigan for the funeral this weekend uh so we're taping a little early but other than that, the week has been good. I've uh, enjoyed being at home and mostly ignoring work. Uh, every uh-huh. once in a while, an email breaks through and I have to do something about it. But uh, yeah, so writing a little music, playing a little music. Uh, I went to the state fair. Uh, my daughter returned home from Japan. So oh, wow. How yeah. did she like it? Well, she uh, Japan? Or the yes. state fair. Okay. Just, I don't I don't give two rats about the state fair. Tell me oh. about her like trip to uh, Japan. She had a, a lovely time. She so this was a semester in Japan. She's majoring in Japanese for her degree. Uh, so this was part of that. This program was part of that, and uh, she did very well. So she was in the oh, Tokyo. That's awesome. Yeah, she was in the Tokyo area, which you know much of that sort of thing is, well, being one of the largest metropolitan areas in the world. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad she had a good time. And how was the state fair? The state fair was lovely. This is I the got... Wisconsin State Fair in Milwaukee, right? This is the Wisconsin State Fair in West Dallas, yeah. my oh. cur- my current hometown. Has it always been there? I mean, is, is has... that also a semantic difference? Because it's uh, like, well, it's over the border. It's not in the. It's not in the city of Milwaukee. It is in. But the it's city still of West basically Dallas. Milwaukee. West know. Dallas. People is who aren't the... in Milwaukee are going to Milwaukee to the state fair, right? Yes, yes, they okay, refer to thank that. You. But, uh, but yeah, we're... it's where the Beach Boys played. However long, twenty five years ago, when I went, <laughs> it's the same place. Yeah, it's been okay. A, great, it's been great. in the same place for over a hundred years. Everything so. is still fried and on sticks, and uh, uh, yeah, it's not the Wisconsin fair that I had. I think it was Minnesota where I had a bottomless glass of milk and a bucket of chocolate chip cookies, uh, and um, and did not get sick. Weirdly enough, but. Uh, but that was a, a wonderful time. Yeah, the Wisconsin State Fair is where you can get the flavored milks. So I had the root beer mm. flavored milk, Ooh. the strawberries and cream, and uh, what was the other one I had? I had one other one, too. Uh, I mean, but... strawberries and cream is just a little redundant, right? It's just st- strawberry flavored milk. Right. The cream is the yeah, cream, the cream is, the cream is inherent the yeah. to the milk. Yeah. Well, and when you tell people root beer flavored milk, they go, "Oh, gross!" But of course, we have root, a root beer, beer float. That's a root beer float. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I, you know, people have that same reaction with um, milk and Pepsi, and uh, you know, that's a thing. People put Pepsi or milk in Pepsi, and I'm like, I've never tried it. I probably won't try it, but in the end, it's about the same flavor as a root beer float, I imagine. So it probably would be fine. Yeah, I think it's called a brown cow or something like that, hmm. but they're good. Yeah. All I've right. had them. Uh, well, uh, that sounds uh, rather interesting. Uh, I, I do. That is an interesting thing about fairs and they and the unusual foods that you can get there. So, I guess that has its charm. 
Uh, well, I had a very, uh, you know, another busy week, a, a week that makes it seem like I live an exciting life. The uh, new cover for my novel came out, uh, and uh, I shared it on the Instagrams and uh, the, the Facebooks, and uh, it's pretty sexy. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, I really like it. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I saw it. Absolutely. It's, it looks really good. I think it's going to. Uh, I think it's going to share some, or you know, people are going to be uh, flying it off the shelves. That was that was worded weirdly. It's going to be flying off the shelves, and people are going to be reading it. Um, like a bat. I hope people like it. Like a what? Like a bat flying off the shelves. You, you do. I mean, yeah, that would require the bat to be on the shelf in the first place. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that a vampire reference? That, that is a vampire. Yeah, my reference. vampires don't do that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I read the book, yeah. but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so also, I've spent some time uh, working then on the next novel, which is the Inspector Chronicles novelization of the movie that we wrote. And I've done a bunch of classes. Uh, I started therapy this week, um, which Congratulations. was kind of a, Yeah, I've been doing acupuncture for my foot and my elbow. And uh, while I was, and for some reason, the acupuncture office is in the mental health office at uh, at the center that I go to. And uh, so while I was there, some, someone walked up and was like, hey, I want to look into getting therapy. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is the thing. And I was like, huh, you know, I tried that several years ago and didn't really love it, but maybe I should try again. So I started, and um, it's I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, things well, Travis... Then- all the best people are having therapy. So yeah, I don't. I certainly don't think there's. A, I, I don't fear any stigmatization of therapy. I think it's important for us to know ourselves, and sometimes talking with a professional is a really good way to to do that. So I don't. I don't feel uh, awkward or shy about saying that I'm taking. I'm doing therapy. So, um, but the other big thing is uh, just today I went, it was a community day, the show community, uh, in the picketing line down at Paramount pictures where we, uh, we filmed community. And so uh, some, a friend of mine let me know that it was happening and I was like, Oh, I guess I should go to that. So I put on my bowler hat and went down there and, uh, talked to a bunch of the people that were involved in the show, including, uh, some graphic designers, some, uh, a couple of the writers and, uh, Danny Pudi at one point was just walking behind me and I turned around. I was like, Oh, we should probably take a picture. <laughs> he was like, Oh, Travis. And, um, I missed out on some of the other actors, but, uh, I, amazingly got to walk and talk with um, uh, Katie Porter, uh, who is the representative for one of the representatives for California in Congress. And she is, if you've seen her on YouTube, she's like a firebrand. She is so great at using data and, and this kind of down home charm to uh to to make arguments in hearings in congress and she's doing a fantastic job and i just love the way she is representing her constituents and um and and in kind of in a larger sense all of the country um with the way she serves in congress so it was really cool to meet her and chat with her so that was just today i'm excited that's awesome yeah so and uh yeah probably a busy week to come so and uh gearing up to i am going to be producing a new web series this fall so that or at least we're going to start with the pilot so that's interesting we're starting with graph uh prop design because it's mm-hmm. a time travel sci-fi type thing and so we okay. need to design a little time machine and, a, and a, some weaponry and uh all sorts of stuff going on yeah okay well if you need anyone to submit like zoom videos uh just look me up i'm i'm uh, uh i did some acting in high school and i'm sure it comes right back i i i think we're okay but thanks okay because i could do it i mean obviously i, I believe in you matthew obviously i believe I in you it. you know obviously uh obviously yeah i have no doubt so um well let's jump right into the meat huh yeah let's the meat. do it you want to yeah. shake things up uh no let's switch things up oh man i knew you know last year i last week i didn't give you shake things up and i and I knew that it was, I knew that that was the death knell for shaking things up. I, you weren't <laughs> going to let me shake things up anymore. Um, I well, I still will shake things up. You can switch things up if you like. Okay. Well, let's All do right. something different. Yeah. Okay. And do uh, let's do the let's do the movie first. Sure. Let's do it. Have we done? I guess we did the movie first recently, but uh, I don't let's know. do it because I'm excited about both of these things. I'll I'll say I think I've got a lot to say about both of these things today. But the movie. 
was Baby Driver. Baby Driver was a 2017 action film uh, written and directed by Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright was best known for doing Hot Fuzz and um, and Shaun of the Dead, which were really popular kind of like indie genre. You know, they really had intense fan bases. And Edgar Wright also did uh, notably um, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And he is probably one of the most deliberate directors I can think of. Him and maybe Wes Anderson are the two I can think of that have such deliberate styles. And when you watch an Edgar Wright movie, you kind of know it's an Edgar Wright movie. Uh, The movie also starred Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort, uh, who was... (laughs) Who rose to fame doing uh, what I call Sexy Cancer Kids, uh, which is uh, another name for the actual name of the movie, which was The Fault in Our Stars. I knew I'd come up with it by the end of that sentence. Um, and But it also has Kevin Spacey, Lily James, John Hamm. It has uh, Jamie Foxx and John Barenthal from, uh, from Walking Dead and The Punisher. And um, it's a car chase movie, essentially, but it's also got this, like, heist movie you know, plot and um, man, uh, it, it just—it's all set to music. Uh, music has a very specific role in this movie, and I'm anxious to hear your thoughts about it. Wow! All right, yeah, this is a this was a very interesting choice. So I think last week you had said you had only seen this movie once before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in theaters, I saw it and okay. have wanted to revisit it because it's only been seven, six years since it was out. So yeah, yeah. Um, I really, I really liked the experience of watching this movie. I, um, I think there was part of me that uh, I started out like really loving it. So there's a there's sort of a like a lot of you know heist movies right there's it starts out with a heist and we get introduced to what we think are the characters even though uh, baby is really the only character that is like a main character in the movie um mm-hmm. John Hamm and I can't remember the actress's name uh, uh I think it was uh, Lily James was No Lily James is the girlfriend Oh, his girlfriend. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, I don't remember. Um, but anyways. Um, Eliza Gonzalez. Yes, thank you. And uh, I really dug that, you know, and we, we learned quite a bit about the character Baby as that scene and then the sort of the getting the spoils of our heist scene play out. Uh, it's And he's an interesting character. He's got an unusual background for a thief or a criminal in that he has been um, sort of coerced into the life by this kingpin, Kevin Spacey. And I thought that was a really interesting story and a really interesting setup. Um, And we learned some, you know, some things about stuff that happened in the past. And then we sort of dive into this movie and it looks like Ansel Elgort's going to get out of it. And then the world keeps pulling him back in. You right? know, he's not going to get out of it. Yeah. As soon, like as soon as it's said like twice, one more and I'm out, you know, it's not going to be one more and he's out, especially well, given his, unique you know, skillset. I, well, so here's the thing is cause you kind of set this up as, um, you know, the, this director has a very unique style, but it also, the stories, you know, Shaun of the Dead and um, Hot Fuzz, they don't go necessarily where you think they're going to go. They really take some left turns. And my problem with this movie, and it is pretty fundamental, is that the movie gets more conventional as it goes along, right? Hmm. It starts out with this setup that's like, hey, we're only a third of the way into the movie. He thinks he's out, right? And, you know, what would it have meant for this movie to have not just been like, and then Kevin Spacey pulled me back in, right? Which does feel like a really super obvious plot beat, right? Um, You know, this kid who basically has no, you know, known skills and is kind of weird, how's he going to make his way in the world, right? He's got a bunch of money. He's got a few connections to people. He obviously can't just like drop out and live on an island, right? But what, so what kind of choices does this interesting character make once he's out of the world of crime? And instead it's like, no, we're just going to do a heist movie. And I, I, I was kind of disappointed in that, even though it is a, 
it is a very well done heist movie, right? But yeah. there is this different movie that got hinted at at the beginning that never got made, and I'm more interested in that movie. I'm because what what movie? So what movie did you think was? Were you thinking it was going to be? Did well, I like I. That's what I'm saying. I think it would would have been interesting to actually have him get out and or or at least have a longer break, right? Because really, it's just kind of one scene. It's like the date scene between him and Lily James, and then uh, Kevin Spacey pulls him back in. And I I would have been interested to see a movie in which there's 20 minutes of him, you know, trying to cope with the world or or something. Right. Interesting. Just, interesting. Like, See, I think we get a lot of that, a lot of that personality in him um, as we go, and like even with the uh, the way that he uh, during one of the robberies where uh, he pulls ahead so the camera cannot see the violence that his uh, cohorts are inflicting upon the victims of the robbery, and so he kind of pulls ahead so that he doesn't see it, and it tells us his attitude towards violence, for example, and the um and we get other clues about that but also the the thing that i love about this and you're right i'll give you that the general plot of this movie is and i'm talking the broad strokes are not completely original you know it's a fairly by the numbers uh heist movie on the face of it but i think when you get a little deeper that's when you get into the magic and i i feel like i discovered a lot of that on the second time through where there was a lot that I'd forgotten. Like I, I forgot the the double the the you know that he doesn't the Kevin Spacey doesn't use the same crew twice, for example. Um, and so you know when 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 Jamie Foxx showed up, I was surprised. And when John Hamm proved to be kind of the main villain, I was surprised. I kind of thought that Kevin Spacey was the villain. And he, yeah, you mentioned that kind of wasn't week, actually. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a man who coerces a child into a life of crime and yeah. uses him as a as a criminal uh, sure. uh, accomplice. No, for, I get it. He's a, he's a criminal. Is a, is a you know he is the bad guy. He's a know. criminal, yes, and he's and he does coerce and he's not. But in in the end, in the final, you know, when he has to make that final decision of his life, he chooses kind of to protect baby and um but one of the things that was interesting to me was the the story of baby having a skill that is so good and so unique it makes him irresistible to kevin spacey so and and so there's a reason why he has to come back and it's a skill set that we haven't really explored we haven't really ever explored the skill set of the driver being so good at least that I can remember seeing in a movie. And so, um, and I, and I think they really show that very. Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree that they, that they show that there is sort of a, there is sort of a, a hazy question over this movie, right? So we know that Kevin Spacey coerced him into a life of crime at a very young age. And we know that he's an incredible driver. There's, there's a missing step there, right? It's recruit a child, right? Something, have an amazing driver, right? And like, like how did how did this child who was I, 14, 12? I don't know how old he was when his parents died and, and this all went down. I mean, he was right? real young when their parents died. He, I think he was yeah, 10 or something. Yeah, he was yeah. 10 or something. Okay. So how did he get this skill set? Uh, they, they, they did, uh, I think they glossed over that, um, uh, I do, rem I, you know, I, I kind of, not only do I think they did something with that, but I also don't think it matters. Like, how did Mozart become good at playing piano and writing music? I, I think it's, I think it's okay to accept that he's just a prodigy, you know? Um, he certainly comes across that. He, he has a bit, he has a, he has a disability, but he also has this prodigy-like skill set. And uh, I think that's what makes him special, right? It's kind of his superpower, uh, is driving. Is that not okay to you? Yeah, I don't, I don't love that. 
I don't love that. Like, Interesting. Like, I wonder why. Put yourself in Kevin Spacey's shoes, right? Uh-huh. You you are a guy who wants to rob banks but doesn't want to do it himself, right? And okay. so you're like you're like you put up you know you come up with the crimes and you recruit the crews and you you know put up the money for for it and everything, right? Why do right. you go, you know who would be the first perfect getaway driver for this? This 10-year-old orphan. Oh, first of all, he's not 10 when he gets recruited. But secondly, uh, it's because Baby uh, steals his own car, uh, steals Kevin Spacey's car. And uh, Kevin Spacey watches him get away. Um, oh, that's right. I do remember And, that, and yeah. says, and, and just sees how talented he is at both both boosting the car, but also driving the car. And, uh, yeah. and so... Then tracks yeah. him down and says, well, you did me wrong, but I see your talent, so you're going to pay me back by using that talent for me. That's what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't... I don't know. Okay. I, that well, let's let that go. Yeah, And that talk didn't... about the movie itself, though. Well, but that, but that is... So this is the point, right? Is like, yeah, there's a bunch of cool car chase scenes and there's a bunch of like double triple cross you're just gonna let it go with cool car ca- car chase scenes i think that they're like incredible they're 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 car chase scenes like we haven't seen before uh like in the born films or in driver or in a half dozen other films like come on man Ugh, driver give me a break with that um okay but 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 it's not just the choreography of the of the of the of the scene itself it's also the music that's integral to it you didn't you didn't find that like everything is set to the beat of the music it's all edited and every like even the diegetic sounds happen to the beat of the music and you've used uh, a word that i don't know uh diegetic sound uh so um uh diegetic sounds are sounds that happen within the scene of the thing so if like if you hear the character open a door and you hear a bell that's in the scene. But if you hear the music, like the score that is providing, you know, that, that the characters can't hear, that's non-diegetic. Okay. The bells ringing, the sirens, uh, you know, squawking, the, the, the horns honking, the gunshots are all to the beat of the songs that are playing uh, in baby's ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he has to listen to all the time, and he he's picking the right song for the moment, and uh, and yeah. At one point, he like scrubs through a track to get to the right place in the track. Yeah, that feels. I thought flash- I would appreciate that more. That feels flashy to me, but it doesn't feel like a natural, organic thing, right? It's not. It's his superpower, like also, but also his weakness. Like, okay, so you've have... mentioned. Okay, but so you've mentioned this superpower a couple of times, and maybe you've touched on why this movie didn't land for me. Is it's ultimately a superhero movie? I mean, everything's ultimately a superhero movie. Predator That's is ultimately a superhero movie. <laughs> and you liked Predator. RoboCop is an ultimately a superhero movie, and you liked RoboCop. You know, it's like just because it's a superhero movie doesn't I mean, and and I'm using that as a metaphor. There's nothing about this that is super heroic. There's nothing about the way he drives that is inhuman, like people can drive the way he drives. It's just he (laughs) is the best. Like it's, it's possible for Mozart to write the music that Mozart writes and for the rest of the world not to be able to. It doesn't make him not human it just makes him incredibly special and i think that's the metaphor i'm going for is that uh the baby just happens to be an exceptional driver like Mm -hmm. to the extreme and uh it makes sense that if you're a villain if you're if you're a mobster who is robbing banks and you need the best getaway driver possible that you are grabbing hold of this guy and not letting go even when he fulfills the terms of your agreement mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's perfectly reasonable yeah um so moving on um i liked i liked the sparks of romance between him and lily james at the beginning but um it i didn't feel like that paid off in a way that really like resonated for me which bothered me because i'm i'm a huge romance fan i like lily james because i like uh downton abbey um hmm. and yeah, i wasn't uh, really familiar with her other than that 
Oh yeah, no, she's she's a big deal on Downton Abbey. Um, and uh, you know, I I really like like it. it because I'm such a fan of that type of thing, like I wanted a little bit more meat to that. And instead it was just kind of like, yep, this is the cute waitress that he likes and, you know, and they get together and she waits five years for him to get out of jail. And I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of this movie that I don't know. I, it just didn't land for me. And I, I, I guess I feel like I'm trying to do a good job of explaining why it didn't land for me, but, um, Maybe maybe my explanations aren't resonating for you. Well, I, I I'm coming honestly. I'm feeling a little bit of the uh, a little bit of like maybe you maybe you weren't in the right headspace or 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 what. But um, like the things that I loved about this movie that made me want to revisit it, I loved even more the second time through. And yeah. one of those things is the direction of uh, of Edgar Wright where the he doesn't he doesn't go to a scene and shoot coverage right he doesn't go he doesn't say okay we need a million uh you know different angles and then we'll cut it together in post he knows what each shot is going to look like so deliberately and so specifically that he goes in and gets the shots he needs and uh, and not much else and i love that and and, I, and you can actually you can absolutely see that in this, in this movie, uh, very well, and this movie definitely has a more realistic kind of tone than his other movies. Like you know, it's not zombies. It's not. Um, it's not. The Hot Fuzz had kind of a comedy, you know, tone to it. Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World was kind of a video game on screen. This has kind of the most real feel. Uh, and there's lots of like killing, and there's lots of shooting, and there's lots of that kind of stuff. So there's, there's violence in in this movie that you don't necessarily see a whole. Well, I guess you can't say that when you're talking about his zombie movies, or even Hot Fuzz has tons of violence. It's just the violence in his other movies feels. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing I kind of that kind of bothered me is like when you talk about those other movies, like those those do really have a very specific feel to them, mm-hmm. and. I didn't yes this is a little bit different from your average heist movie right but I didn't feel like oh yeah this is an Edgar Wright movie you know which you you're saying you did and that's that's fine but for me I did not I did not really get that and so hmm. therefore it didn't it didn't I was a little disappointed right I was a little like oh yeah I mean I remember that and and you know there's moments of comedy right yeah, yeah, but not that feel unreal. Like, you know, yeah. not that feel like, hey, yeah. I'm watching a comedy now. It's just right. I'm watching people who are doing a funny thing or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but most of the relationships are, are grounded, and uh, I, I like his relationship with his uh, with his um, uh, guy who ends up taking him in, uh, his foster father who takes mm-hmm. him in after his parents die, who then becomes old, and then baby has to kind of take care of him. Uh, it's a really interesting story, you know, element to the story, and um, yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, I mean, I won't keep talking about it because I don't. I I feel like I. Uh, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm. If you didn't like it, I'm not going to try to push you to well, like it. And and I think you're you're maybe getting the wrong impression here. I did like it. Right. I just I I loved the first twenty minutes, and as it went on, I got you know i became less and less enamored of it and i was trying to explain that feeling i ended this movie liking it but feeling like it was sort of a bunch of wasted potential like it could have Mm. been something really different and interesting and instead it was it was kind of by the numbers but i didn't i didn't hate this movie by any means Yeah, I do think that uh, what I'll give you there is that Edgar Wright was trying to make a movie. I mean, he had this movie in his head for like 20 years, right? And he wasn't necessarily trying to reinvent the genre necessarily, but he was trying to make a very good car chase heist movie, you know, Um, if that makes sense. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I feel like with his, his movie, he does have kind of a reputation of being a genre reinventor. Um, yeah. And he didn't do that here, but yeah. I think he did make a very good movie. And I mean, 
It made good money. It made uh, $226 million in the box office off of a $34 million budget, uh, which I thought was, uh, I think, was pretty impressive, especially given the people that were involved. Like, these, you know, pretty rocking cast. Yeah, no, the cast is excellent. Yeah, no no notes. This, was this uh, was this Kevin Spacey's last movie before the, the incident? Uh, so, yeah, he was... He was due to appear in All the Money in the World from Ridley Scott, uh, but it was replaced by Christopher Plummer. And I think it was the same year. I think it was 2017. So yeah. this may, might be his last kind of big movie before that all went down. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Well, uh, what, what did you like? I want to... You well, say you didn't... You say there were things you liked, but... Well, I, I mean, I... You know, I did like the car chases, right? They just didn't... Like, a car chase doesn't inherently do it for me in the way that it does it for you. Like, I'm like, yeah, a car chase. There's, like, cars flying around, and there's, you know, stuff breaking, and there's things jumping, and, you know, like, it's fine, right? Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not mad about it. Um, you know, well, and the... it's not what did it for me. The car chases don't really do it for me either, by the way. It's not – that's not my favorite genre by any stretch. It's – it's the choreography. It was the it was the use of music that really sells this sells this movie to me, and I I'm surprised that that didn't uh, like impress itself upon you. So uh, I liked the relationships between the people. Um, all, all of that felt really good, um, you know. And the, like I said, the performances were really good. Jamie Fox does I think a really good job of reining in his worst instincts on this. Mm. Uh, and sort of yeah. fails to chew up all the scenery available to him. Yeah. Uh, which I, which I liked. Um John Hamm sort of continued to, you know, this was part of him breaking out of the um Mad Men character and um I, you know, I think he does a really good job. I'm watching him now in Good Omens 2. Uh, and obviously that's another giant departure for him. Uh, but it's, you know, it was movies like this that helped establish him as doing something other than steely-eyed, you know, man's man, right? Yeah, I think he'd done a little comedy before this, maybe. But uh, mm -hmm. this was definitely a, a departure for him. Um, and he was kind of great. He, yeah. He, he was, like, he was amiable for most of the movie but then and and then his girlfriend character says you know but when you see when you cross him he he's, he sees red and mm -hmm. you don't want to be there for that and you're like uh well once she says that you're like okay we gotta see this now and you really do mm -hmm. and um i thought that incidentally and this is a kind of a funny thing but um all of them have um all of them have code names monikers and i just love that uh <laughs> The person who has that conversation, her name is Darling. It's his uh, John Hamm's girlfriend, but her real name is Monica. So Monica's moniker is Darling. I just thought that was really. I don't know <laughs> if that was an intentional thing from Edgar Wright as the writer, but uh, I loved little bits like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you want to you want to skip to a rating? Skip. I don't think there's no, any okay, skipping. Okay, we've talked a lot. Yeah, let's we've talked a lot. Move on to the rating. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the ratings. Um, Do it. So I know you're going to hate me for this, but this is, I feel like, a very average action film, and so I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Did you watch it with your with your honey money? I did not. Um, she was working quite a bit, and uh, okay. so she was she was exhausted in the evenings. I'd be curious. I would have been curious to hear what she thought. Uh, this has got to. This is at least a nine for me. Um, I was surprised by how much I liked watching it again. To be honest, um, I didn't. Re I remember liking it, but not enough to be like to be like, oh, I need to see this again. Um, it kind of fell off my radar a bit, but uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna stay with a nine. It might not be perfect. Um, I cannot pick out what I don't like about it at the moment mm -hmm. other than it didn't have me watching it again. I mean, I mean, I'm not a big fan of violence, I guess in movies like, like I said, this genre is not my typical genre of movie. I think the reason I love it boils down to an excellent cast, great acting, uh, and Edgar Wright's direction. Sure. I think that's pretty much it. That's so, totally fair. Yeah. He is high on my list of, of directors that I would love to work with someday. 
Yeah, for sure. But all righty. Well, um, tell us about Muse. All righty. So Muse, uh, who I gave you this week. So this is a little harder music than I have given you recently. Uh, I might have given you. I guess Ghost is is pretty heavy. But, harder uh, in like style, you mean? Yeah, harder, okay. harder, like heavier music, right? Got it. So yeah. I, I don't think I'm ever gonna get you into true like heavy metal, but this is this is hard rock, right? Uh, so Muse is a rock band. They're actually formed in 1994. I was a little off on this. I um, knew of them through the early 2000s. Uh, I think the first album of theirs that I really heard much off of is Black Holes and Revelations, and that came out in 2006. But their first album came out in 1999. So they huh. had uh, they had actually been kicking around for a little bit longer than I uh, had been led to believe. And they started out making like big stadium hard rock from the very beginning um they make a they have a lot of themes of like science fiction resistance to like uh power uh you know the people sort of rising up that sort of thing uh but they're also very much a like a mainstream rock and roll band with like stadiums and and you know fireworks going off and that sort of thing uh they're led by a a pretty uh impressive uh, musician named matt bellamy he does lead vocals and guitars uh and uh they're basically a power trio so it's just uh guitar bass and drums which is uh I think it's pretty impressive the amount of noise they produce with three people. Uh, hmm. What'd you think, Travis? Uh, so this was a real interesting journey for me uh, listening to this, listening to this playlist. Uh, you gave me a playlist, not an album, and um, and it's uh, about ten songs, nine or ten songs, nine I think. And uh, it's funny because the the first song that's on it is Uprising. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know this song. I know this song well. Mm-hmm. How do I know this song? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until uh, most of the way through the song that I realized it's the song that they used to play at my body pump uh, workout <laughs> class. <laughs> One of the songs that they would play and the, and the instructor would play it and, and sing along. And so that's how I knew that song because I knew it's not a song I'd ever listened to like on my own mm-hmm. and uh and then the next song was familiar and then mm-hmm. hysteria came along which is the third song and hysteria uh be- before i even talk about that i want to talk about other things i liked about this band first of all everything you've said I- i'll admit you're absolutely right this is a little more metal than i'm used to mm-hmm. uh that i'd probably listen to else uh, elsewise um, that's not a word, but we'll accept it. And uh, but I did like so many of my boxes that we've come to recognize from the show that I I like in music were checked. So we've got um, easy to understand lyrics. We've got really deliberate, well crafted uh, music from you know from the instruments. You've got uh, they they weren't just all playing to play the drums had a specific thing to say the guitar had a specific thing to say uh and it was all it all worked well in orchestration with each other and i think that's important i really i really enjoy good orchestration of music um and uh and it was there's a lot of variety in this playlist so it wasn't it didn't all feel the same there was some uh more upbeat like uh like energetic songs there were a couple of nice slow um excuse the pun musing songs <laughs> and um so yeah there was there's a lot of good stuff uh this will end up getting a decent rating from me uh i can tell you however uh i do have some quibbles one of them when hysteria came so this is just going back to my my original journey of listening to this album <laughs> Hysteria came on, and it did this thing that you know I hate that sounds like it was pumped through speakers that are broken, uh, where it sounds like it's got that buzz 
that mm-hmm. but it's a deliberate buzz yeah. and uh it wasn't just the guitar but also the singing had that same like buzz and i hate that i just hate mm-hmm. it especially since i'm listening in you know on on airpods and it's like right in my ears um uh, but luckily that was only that one and there was i did detect it later on in another piece but not as not as completely the other thing that really bugged me, and this is the first time around, at some point, I, I think I was on a walk with Coco, and the guy's voice started grating on me. Really? The way he was... That's well, interesting. It, it, and this is the first time around. It start, he's, he was doing this thing where he was doing a lot of sliding of from notes, and where he was like, uh, yeah, and so yeah, no, less, I can believe like, that he did coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. you. That's a much better example. I was trying to pick an example from one of the actual songs, but yes, and that got really annoying for me mm. for a second to a point where I was like, I gotta, sh- I gotta turn this off. I can't listen to it anymore. And um, but then. I went on a hike a couple of days ago, and I pulled it out, and I started from scratch, and got through the entire album, and was did not have the same dilemma. I in in, in instead I found that though there are songs where he does that, and I do find it annoying, it wasn't every song. Mm-hmm. And there's a degree to that in almost every song, but it's not like pervasive in a really annoying way and in fact he has a pretty good voice and yeah, no, uh, he has a, he has a really fantastic voice his high yeah. register is is really good yeah it is and he did a really good job and, and as i said in addition to the songs themselves having variety i think his singing had variety in it and i think that he does a a good job as an actor would kind of putting forth a different emotion a, a different kind of character even in each of these songs, you know, at, mm-hmm. wh- where it's still all him, and he's not—he's not doing a voice, or he's not doing, you know, something different. He's, but he, he's doing a different performance. Let me say that in each sure. different song, right? So I appreciated that. Um, but uh, it, it was funny going through that journey, though, where the first time through, I was like, I, I kind of—you had me with the first song, and the second song, which is a starlight, is even familiar a little bit somehow. Maybe I heard it in, in a in a movie or something. Yeah, Muse and... is actually really very popular music, so it's definitely okay. yeah, it it gets used in mu- movies and TV shows. It's around, you know, in the in the zeitgeist for sure. Doesn't surprise me at all. I feel like this is absolutely music that could be in a movie somewhere. Or or a, or a CW TV show or something, and um, but uh, and then that third song was just like disappointment to me, and I was like, oh Matt, you had me, and then you tricked me, you tricked me into listening See, to this. As a bass player, Hysteria is one of my favorite of their songs because really? the, ba- the bass on Hysteria is just absolutely out of this world. It's so okay. good. It's so. Good. I would. Ha- I would love to maybe listen to that by itself. I wonder if that would be mm, it, interesting. Nah, it's fuzzy. Yeah, is it? You oh, wouldn't like it. It's fuzzy. That that same thing. Yeah, I just don't like that fuzzy sound. So, um, um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I ended up enjoying this album pretty well. Um, ultimately, maybe not my cup of tea, but uh, but but really fun to listen to. And I, and 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 in the Novacic scale, I'm uh, glad that I uh, was exposed to it. I'm well, a better person for knowing. Yeah. It. You know, it's funny, right? You say it's not your cup of tea, but that's part of why I like doing this show is that I think you maybe could find that this is kind of your cup of tea. It's just not what you thought was your cup of tea. I mean, some of these songs are, they're just, they're fun to sing along to. They're really emotional. You know, it's funny because Muse combines very serious subject matter with like sort of really outsized emotion and like all of this stuff is very like i don't know if you're familiar with the music style called emo so that's sort of a yeah it's sort of a punk thing but uh, the there was it was basically punks talking about their feelings Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and it was very very popular with like uh you know like middle middle middle-aged kids right 
you know, the the idea is anybody over the age of 22 is like too old to listen to emo. Of course, oh, okay. all, all those people are turning 40 now, but that's not the point. Um, yeah. But Muse is definitely like emo adjacent, even though they're very, very heavy because they do, you know, obviously all the emotions are big. All the emotions are very kind of teenagery, and, um, you know, they're, they, they'll stop degrading us and like it's all very big right yeah and i think this is this is one of the things when i introduced this last week to you is i wanted i wish that i could get a handle on what gets a band that is ultimately like three kids in college or high school swinging for the fences like this right because this yeah. is music that is meant to be heard in an arena that seats twenty thousand people right like this is not the type of music that you go to a 50 person club to listen to right this no, is no but i'll tell big. you i did enjoy some of the best songs on here i really enjoyed listening to them while i was on a trail looking out mm -hmm. over the city um you know working out like moving yeah. and you know moving yeah. my body yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's it. It is one of the things that attracts me about them. In addition to what I call clean vocals, so you mm -hmm. haven't, I haven't forced you to spend any time in the metal world, really. But there, I can't tell you how many like bands there are that have these like great riffs that are like, <clears throat> they're really like groovy and awesome, and then the vocals come in and it's like, <laughs> and yeah, like I, I know I, of that, and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not ever going to send you something like that. But to me that it feels like copying out, right? It feels like we had, you know, we're really good musicians, but we couldn't think of what to say or we we couldn't find somebody who was a really great singer and or that the things you want to say aren't important enough to hear. Yeah. Yeah, and um and Mia's doesn't do that. They have clean vocals, you can understand the words, mm -hmm. you can uh, Absolutely, yeah. one of the things I liked about it, yeah. Yeah, um, so so I like that in my metal. Like, I, there are times when I'll tolerate the gritty vocals or whatever, but there's never a time when I'm like, man, I'm sure glad that I can't understand what the hell this guy's saying. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I yeah, I will say, and 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 the journey of of experiencing this album was like a a roller coaster for me. Not a not a particularly exciting roller coaster, but like a you know a nice, a gentle roller coaster. But nonetheless, it was there. Yeah, it was an interesting <laughs> journey I, that I appreciated taking. Well, good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say, or should we give it a rating? I don't know that I have anything else. I, I, I definitely would recommend it to people who haven't heard it. Check out the playlist on uh, on our uh, uh, info, like a, on, the, on the you know the podcast info, uh, and you can listen to this playlist yourself. I, I think it's worth it. Um, I can give it a rating. I think it's a. Uh, I, I I was um, kind of going back and forth, but I think I'm going to settle on a seven. It's a. Uh, it's you know, and and I get points off for. Um, for just maybe not being my thing, you know, uh, uh, even though you're right, I maybe don't know what my thing is. I have been listening to music my whole life, and I do know the stuff that I love, and this isn't quite that, but there are definitely songs in here, individual songs that I could add to my, um, you know, my workout playlist or something like that. Or, yeah, for sure. You know, for Trav's, sure. What, what do you call it? My Trav's, Trav's first date? The boyfriend mix. playlist. No, no. The when you, mix. You've had a couple of dates and you want to give him a a mix to show him okay. how you feel. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've got a song or two that'll be on the mix, sure. Awesome. Awesome. So a seven well, from me. A seven from you. Uh, I really like this music. I have never gotten super into Muse for whatever reason. Like, I've, hmm. I've never been in a place where I was just like, I'm playing this album on repeat but i'm always glad when it comes on it comes on my you know super mix and my my random mixes all the time because it's right in my wheelhouse mm -hmm. i am gonna give this an eight an eight okay not yeah. far off all yeah, right not far off brilliant all right so what do you have for me next week travis well, Matt, I had wanted to give you a little thing, uh, a little foreign film that uh, that you would have been our first foreign film on the show and have you watched Life is Beautiful, but it does not appear to be available 
anywhere on the internet to watch. Mm. So I am going to give you a backup. And uh, this is a movie that I have been wanting to see for a while. And it hasn't, I haven't been able to find it streaming. But uh, I just noticed that it's on sale for like five bucks. Uh, and it is nice. the movie the martian and uh, it stars uh it stars so many people but matt damon basically plays uh, an astronaut one of the first astronauts on mars and uh in, during an emergency like abort of the mission he gets left behind and uh and hijinks ensue it's not a comedy but weirdly enough it was i believe nominated uh for a golden globe under the best comedy uh, award, I think. I think that's it. We'll talk about that next week. But it was directed by Ridley Scott, who has uh, uh, you know done a few of the movies we've watched. He did Alien. He did Blade Runner. He did uh, The Gladiator. Um, all sorts of interesting movies. So, and for us, he did Legend. So he directed The Martian, and I'm going to have you watch it. Did he do John Carpenter's The Thing? No, that was John Carpenter. <laughs> Oh, that makes a little more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how that works. Okay, okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think you'll like this. It's got a, it's got an all-star cast. I cannot, I mean, Jeff Daniels is in it, and, uh, uh, like, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is in it, and, like, so many people are in this movie. It's it's crazy. So, uh, I, I'm, I remember liking it. I remember liking it quite a bit, but... I don't remember much about it. Mm, like, and okay. so I'm very eager to revisit it and see why I liked it <laughs> you okay. know, or, or to remember why I liked it. So nice. Yeah. That's what I'll give you for next week. All right. Cool. So, uh, all right. Well, what do you got for me? Well, next week for you, I have the mid two thousands album by the strokes called, is this it? Uh, have you heard of the strokes? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Yes, I've heard of them, uh, oh. but I don't. I, I don't know that I've ever listened to them. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give you one more. Ready? No, keep all that. That's great. Just keep all. Jeez. <laughs> oh, things are chaos this week on the podcast. I know. Folks. I know. It's all right. Tired. So the Strokes were uh, an English band. I think they might actually still be around. I'm not really sure. They kind of petered out after this album for a long time, and then, anyways, the point is. This was a very, very important album in the garage rock revolution of the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, yeah. There's a bunch of bands, the Hives, the White Stripes, the Strokes, uh, that all kind of were in this sort of gritty realism. Uh, not, not big and bombastic like a lot of grunge or alternative, but like, uh, you know, dirty and gritty type of music. Uh, I like this album a lot. I would not say I didn't get into this album when it came out. Uh, and, uh, so I came to it a little bit later, but I really like it. Uh, and I hope you like it too. There's a really great single off of it that I've heard a million times called last night. Uh, uh -huh. and it's really, really good, but I gave you the whole album and I, I think you, I think you might dig it. I think you might dig okay. it. This was not a band then that you would have been listening to when we were listening to music in your dorm room. No, this is a little later and okay. again I wasn't I wasn't super into this particular band. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, great. I look forward to hearing it. Uh and sometimes you warn me about uh I think you warned me last time about not about maybe listening to it on my like being a lot of bass or was this that should be bass? this should be that's not this that was muse uh which oh, was this okay. week so that's a Great. little awkward sorry yes. I've, I've been listening to our podcast over again sue me yeah well you know uh yeah no All it, right. you you should dig this one hey travis thank you for exposing yourself to me oh matt thank you for exposing yourself to me i'll talk to you again next week yeah bye-bye